Hello. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We take it as it was written with the message, as we've talked about in the past, content and context. If you know that there's more to your spiritual walk, if you know that there's more to your relationship with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, then this is the place for you. If you want your ears tickled and told it's going to be okay when it's not, or uh, anything like that, this is not the place. We're going to tell you the truth, even if it hurts, because we know that that truth will set you free. That truth will prepare you for what's coming. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing, that'd be great. Go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. Let us know about yourself, what it is that you'd like to hear about. If you want to support what we do, there are ways to do that at the bottom of the homepage. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Just give us the Lord leads. I don't do this for money. I don't do this for personal accolades. I do this for the Lord, and I do this for you. I care about you. If you're a part of the porch community, you are probably getting the newsletter. Went out this week. You should have received it. If not, look for it, the Porch uh, Porchlight Newsletter. Also, Firefall Network on YouTube. New videos have gone up. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share. And let's get the word out. Let's prepare the remnant for the days ahead. We're already in them, so we might as well get ready. Father, we just come to you in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise for who you are and what you're doing in our life. We love you. We we need you. We need your power. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need everything that you have for us and the gifts, the signs, and the wonders so that we can set the captives free, live out Luke 4.18, destroy the work of the enemy. Lord, we thank you for the cross, the empty tomb, the upper room, sending back your Holy Spirit to walk with us and to teach us and to infill us and abide with us. And we thank you for our family. Bless them, protect them, protect this technology. Let your blessings flow for your kingdom to grow and for us to go do kingdom work. We just pray, Lord, that those that are supposed to be here are, and that they receive what you want them to receive. Holy Spirit, have your way. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we are starting a new topic tonight, and I don't know if it's just tonight, 
I don't know where this is going to go. Right now it's going to go out to you, from me, from the Holy Spirit. And it's about being deceived. You know, the Bible's filled with warnings about deception. The Lord and his apostles prophesied that deception would be a byproduct of the end times. Take heed, we're told. Don't be deceived. So let's start out with Matthew 24. Then Yeshua went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Yeshua said to them, Do you not see all of these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Yeshua answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of the sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Take heed that no one deceives you. Be mindful of the possibility of being deceived. Take notice. Be aware. Beware. False messiahs and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. That's at the end of Matthew 24, verse 24. Deception is a sign of the end. Let's also see this in Luke 21. Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And that time, the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. I believe that statement has two meanings. One, false messiahs saying that they're the Messiah. But I also believe that people are going to come saying he's the Messiah, but they're going to be liars. And they're going to point you in a different direction. And they try to get people to believe things that are not biblical, not scriptural. Many warnings about being deceived. It's a sign of the end times for the church. Go to Romans 1, starting verse 28. And I believe we're in Romans 1 time right now. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. 
full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, the whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practices them, who practice them. This is today. This is our society. Everything I just listed in Romans 1, 28 through 32, we are seeing. We're also seeing 2 Thessalonians 2, starting with verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, capital H, which is the Holy Spirit, who now restrains, will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, Hasatan, the adversary, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Over and over and over we're told about deceit and deception and the hand of the enemy involved in it. And that's deception of others by individuals, usually for their own sake, their own interest, for pride, profit, Scripture condemns such pretense and demands honesty from believers at every point. We cannot fall for the trick, but we also can't fall for the trap of doing the same. That word pretense, it's deception of others by individuals, usually for the sake of their own interest. their own interest. It's what they want. So they're going to deceive you to get it. Well, isn't that what a sales pitch is? They tell you partial truth, but mostly not. We call them con men, snake oil salesmen. Some are, some are reputable. I'm not saying they all are, but the concept of a sales pitch is to get you to buy what they're selling. The strongest Greek and Hebrew dictionary says the word deceive is planeo, planao, to cause to wander, lead astray, to get you to believe some things that is not true in order to gain a personal advantage. Swindle, defraud, cheat, trick, hoodwink, hoax, dupe, mislead, delude, fool, outwit, Beguile, I love that word, because that's what the serpent did to Eve in the garden. Part of that deception is failure by us to admit something is either true or untrue. 
But usually in their case, they will beguile you away from the truth. But here's the thing about this. Deception starts from within. Well, well, wait a second, Richard. You just said the enemy does this. No, the enemy tries to get you to believe the lie. You don't have to. You could choose to believe the truth. Deception starts with the familiar. That's how they get you. It starts with a misdirection. Hey, look over here. But deception is a choice. It really is. I know that you can say, well, at that moment, I believed what they were saying. That's fine. But if you if you know the word and if you have the Holy Spirit and you have the discerning of spirits, you have the gift of revelation knowledge or the word of wisdom, you shouldn't be tricked. Someone who was born again and becomes a spiritual person enters into the realm, enters into the life of the supernatural and the spiritual. And we know that though we are in the world, we're not of the world. This is not our home. We know who the God of this world is. Then why do believers get so easily fooled? Because they're hearing what they want to hear and not what the Lord is saying. But this is why you need to study the Bible to see what it teaches, how to walk, how to conduct yourself, how to conduct spiritual warfare. Most deception comes from ignorance, except ignorance is not an excuse. Open your Bible every day. Now, maybe you don't have the discipline. I don't know how that is, because when I first got saved, I was hungry. I was hungry. No matter where I was, I was reading my Bible. I remember one time specifically being uh, delayed at an airport when I was still working for the state of Florida and traveling, and the, the, the delay lasted so long, I read the entire book of Isaiah again and saw things I hadn't seen before. Maybe you need one of those devotionals, 365-day devotionals, that take you through the Bible in 365 days. There are YouTube videos by, by various teachers that will do that. Get in the Word. Open it up. Get it inside of you. Because if you neglect that, if you neglect to be on guard, if you fail to be proactive and even aggressive against the powers of darkness, you're liable to be deceived and defeated by them. If you haven't figured it out, we're in a dark dangerous time right now, both naturally and supernaturally. And the key to the life of a believer being victorious is getting the word inside of you, praying daily, walking and living in the spirit according to the, the light of the Holy Spirit, according to what you receive from the Bible. First John 1 John 1.7, but if we walk in the light as he, Yeshua, is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus the Messiah, his son, cleanses us from all sin. God is light. There is no darkness. There is no variation. There are no shadows from him. The Lord said he is the light of the world. He put his Holy Spirit inside of us, which is light, which is knowledge, which is information, revelation. Why am I seeing so many brothers and sisters? 
being deceived and taken down by the enemy. Because you nibble on the word, you listen to the wrong people. Time to repent. Time to get back to where you need to be. If you look at the letters of the apostles, if you look at what the Lord said, not only were we warned about this time, we were told what to do and how to do it. You look at 1 John chapter 2, starting verse 14. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. 1 John 14 sets up a scripture you've heard a lot over the last couple of weeks. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, that's us. It is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists, many that are against Messiah have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. I believe that the, the end of days, the, the end times, began on the day of Pentecost. And closer and closer to the final ticks of the clock. Don't be deceived. It started in the garden. I told my wife this morning, this won't sound very spiritual. Then when I get to paradise and I finally meet Adam, some things I'd like to say to Adam. All he had to do was say no. All he had to do was tell that serpent, get its scaly butt out of the garden. But no, he didn't do that. Because of that, we got sickness and death and our loved ones dying and our pets dying. And I know I won't be able to say it in heaven, but there's things I'd like to say to him. Go with me to Genesis, because the deception starts there. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Right there the deception began. The conversation opened with the misdirection. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Eh, he didn't say that, Eve. He didn't say anything about touching it. So either she misunderstood Adam because she wasn't there when God said it, or Adam told it wrong, or she made a mistake. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, hmm, pleasant to the eyes, yep, there we are, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. 
And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings and heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. They hid among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And here we go. Deception, misdirection, now we have lack of accountability. The man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. If we could ever get some accountability by believers, oh boy, we could turn this around. We were made incorruptible, formed out of the clay of the ground, breathed into, supposed to be eternal, the eternal likeness of God. And because Adam and Eve fell for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, having knowledge, death entered the world. And everyone who does that chooses companionship with Hasatan instead of companionship with God. He deceived me. He tricked me. Tricked me into making a bad choice. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. I get it. We all have bad programming. We all have bad experience. We've all had things done to us and we've all done things. But healing starts with accountability. Once I realized, as you well know about me talking about my uh, birth father, not that I, you know the whole story. He walked out when I was six, never looked back, and I hated him. It drove me. The rejection, the anger fueled me. I was a violent, unforgiving person. But then one day after I got born again, I realized something made him the way he was. And I had a choice. I could either choose to let go and forgive him or keep carrying this weight. I'm not discounting that Satan and the fallen have a hand. But what I'm saying is they can do everything they can do. They can dance their dance, sing their song. But if you don't buy a ticket to the show, you're not going to fall for it. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15 we mentioned this last week. Talking about false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Messiah. By the way, today everybody's an apostle. Maybe we'll cover that in the coming weeks, but everybody is not an apostle. He goes on and says that no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. 
Satan is a con artist. He's a masquerade. Puts on a little show being an angel of light, but that's not who he is. His tool is deception. His tool is getting us to do what he wants us to do. I know I've shared this before, but for me, being a film person, you watch those movies about vampires. They need you to invite them in. You just say no and slam the door. What are they going to do? Oh, they'll keep trying, but if you never open the door or the window, they never get in. Come on, let's make better choices. Tricking us into choosing something other than God's best for us. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There was a way there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's what society's filled with right now. People who think what they're doing is right. If it's good. If it feels right, do it. Follow your heart. Nah, no, don't follow your heart. Follow God. Follow the Lord. Follow the Word. Deception. Beguilement. Deceit. Bluff. Mystification. Subterfuge. They're all acts to propagate beliefs that are not true. Or not the whole truth. Half-truths. Omissions. Propaganda. That's what that is. It's deception. Sleight of hand. Distraction. We live in a world and a society filled with everything I've described so far. There are five primary forms of deception. They are lies, making up information or giving information that is the opposite or very different from the truth. You're born again and the Holy Spirit's in you and he's the spirit of truth. You should not be a liar. You should not tell stories. You should not embellish. Equivocations, which is making an indirect or ambiguous, contradictory statement. Politicians do that all the time. Concealments, admitting information that's important or relevant to the given context. Or engaging in behavior that helps hide relevant. relevant. I don't know what that other word is, but relevant information. Exaggeration. Overstatement or stretching this truth to a degree. It was a saying, and I now think about how not funny it was when I was actively involved in traditional church and they'd want to know what kind of a crowd, what kind of an audience. And you'd give them a number and they'd say, is that the real number? Is that evangelically speaking? Meaning people were known to pump up the numbers. And we'd all laugh. There's nothing funny about that. We're not called to exaggerate. Understatement is minimizing or downplaying aspects of the truth. Here's an example. Matthew 22, starting in verse 23. Now the same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring. Oh, the first man has no children. I got confused there. 
If a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife. Anyway, let's keep going. Now, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother, and likewise the second, and the third, and even to the seventh. And last of all, the woman died. Well, after that many husbands, I'm sure she... Anyway, therefore, in the resurrection, now remember, they don't believe the resurrection. They're trying to trap him. Whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. And Yeshua answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. You don't know what you're talking about is what he said. You don't know the word. You don't know the scriptures. Deception starts when you don't know the truth. And the thing about angels are not given in marriage. That's right. The angels that were corrected, created science. I forgot to turn off all the notices on my phone and I'm being distracted. The angels that fell, they fell because they left their angelic state to mate with human women, the daughters of Adam in Genesis 6. They were not created for that. The angels of heaven that have not fallen, they don't get married nor do they seek to marry. Are you following me? Are you getting the the message here? Now, every week I give you a lot of scripture. And you should be looking it up after the fact. I want you to listen, then look up. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But then we learn by our eyes and our ears. But if you don't get this word in you, remember the Lord said that if he didn't cut the time short, even the very elect would be deceived. Satan convinced a third of the angels to give up eternity with their father, with their creator. He tricked them. He beguiled them. I think he did it with the sound of his voice. But how he did it is irrelevant to the fact that he did do it. And a third of them, along with him, got kicked out of paradise, out of heaven, out of the throne room. James 1, starting verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Here we go, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. 
of his own will he bring us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We are drawn away by our own desires and enticed. What's, what's your button? What's your trigger? What's the thing that the enemy uses to entice you? So many preachers, teachers fall because they fall for the fame, the fortune, the money. They're enticed by their, their own desires for those things. And that's just a partial list. I'm just throwing this out there to get you to think. Know what your buttons are, and you can keep the enemy from pushing them. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments that encourage you to sin. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, those who habitually sin. So do not participate or even associate with them in rebellious in the rebellious, rebelliousness of sin. Ooh, what's going on tonight? Ooh, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Live as those who are native-born of the light. For the fruit, the effect, the result of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn by experience what is pleasing to the Lord. And letting your lifestyles be examples of what is acceptable to him. Your behavior expressing gratitude to God for your salvation. Do not participate in the worthless, unproductive deeds of darkness, but instead expose them by exemplifying personal integrity, moral courage, and godly character. For it is disgraceful even to mention the things that such people practice in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light of God's precepts, his word. And it is light that makes everything visible. Don't be fooled. Grace, grace, all is grace. You're, you're covered. You've been saved. Your name's written in the land book of life. He doesn't keep track of what you do. Eh, wrong answer. Thank you for playing. Pick up your parting gifts on the way out. No, your behavior is important. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. I know I've shared this, but I'll share it again for some of the nuance. My mother used to have a phrase, drove me crazy. Italian mothers, they always have phrases. They always have something that applies. And she was frustrated with some of the choices of my friends. And she would look at me and say, Show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Always, always annoyed me until I got older and I realized she was right. Deception is meant to make you hopeless when you should be hopeful. Deception is meant to take you off track and off task. To destroy your relationship, destroy your relationship with the Lord. Remember the enemy does have power, don't get me wrong, has plenty of power, but only what you give him for you, for your life, 
What is going on tonight? Things are falling over on me. Second Thessalonians 2, starting verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and our gathering together to him, whew, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if it's from us. As though the day of Messiah had come, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away of the apostasy comes first. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way. For unless the apostasy comes first, predicted great falling away of those who profess to be Christians, to be believers, has come. And the man of lawlessness, the man of sin, is revealed, who is the son of perdition. Don't be fooled. See, another deception is, oh, you, you've messed up too much. You've done too much. You've fallen too far. Oh, that thing you did the other day, you're finished. He's never going to forgive you. Stop. Open your word. If you confess your sins, he is right and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, I think 8 and 9. If you don't know the word, you're going to be deceived. See, the, the church in Thessalonica and 1 Thessalonians, they, they were losing their hope on the second coming. False teachings had told them that the day of the Lord had already come and gone. Because of the tribulations they were experiencing. So they, they thought they'd missed it, passed them by. That's why Paul says they weren't to believe such teaching whether by spirit, false lying spirit, or by word or letter as though it come from him. Deception will steal your hope. It'll steal your joy. It'll make your heart sick. That word beguiled, by the way, means seduced. That's what the enemy does. He seduces us to do wrong, choose wrong, look over here. Maybe I shouldn't look over there. Ephesians 4.22 that you put off concerning your former conduct, your before you were born again conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. What's your button? What's your cotton candy? What's the thing that the enemy can wave in front of you and you go, you know what, I just, I, I just really have to try that. Before I stopped completely, red licorice, specifically Twizzlers. If I ate one, I ate the whole bag. And we know from health reasons, sugar and addictions and all that. But my point is, once you try it and you like it, well, you know what? He wants me to be happy. He wants me to have the desires of my heart. Well, guess what? The heart is the seat of emotions and the human soul. And according to Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. The Lord picked up that saying, that, that thought, in Matthew 15, verses 18 through 20. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. The Pharisees were angry that the disciples were picking food and eating it, but they were not ceremonially washing their hands. Corrupt men who were probably adulterers, and that's why I hit on that. Evil thoughts, reasonings, vain imaginations, rebellions against God. He's a loving God. He's a loving Father, and He wants the best for you. If He says no, it's because He loves you. If He keeps you from something, He knows the end from the beginning, and He knows if He allows you to have it, what's going to happen. But if you keep pressing and you keep pushing, and instead of wanting the perfect will of God, you're willing to accept the permissive will of God. He's going to let you have it. And not to punish you. The only way you're going to learn that it wasn't for you is to have it. Oh, and you will regret it. You will regret what it does to you, the time wasted, and the mess you have to clean up. 2 Timothy 3, verse 13, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's the end times. Look at all the liars you turn on TV. Your legacy mainstream media are a bunch of liars, deceiving and being deceived. We have it in the church Everybody's a teacher, everybody's a preacher, everybody's an apostle or a prophet or whatever. No, they're not. And you'll know them by their fruits and you'll know them by the words they speak and the word they teach. False teachers deceive themselves as well as others. Somebody sent me a video of one the other day and I just shook my head. I couldn't believe how many people had watched it and liked it. Because all deception is satanic, no matter its intents or its origins. Revelation 12.9 tells us the great dragon, when he's cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, called Satan, who deceives the whole world, he will be cast down to earth, and his angels will cast out with him. The thing about a deception, the thing about a lie, it can't just be blatant. There has to be an element of truth in it. So you got to wrap a little truth around the lie. I call it the pig in the blanket. You know, you can't just give the lie. When I lived in New York, you'd see all these people on the street corners selling pocketbooks and wallets and things like that. And during that time, Bill Blast was really big. And you'd see these pocketbooks. And it would have the logo. 
and it looked really good. And you'd buy them. I know somebody that did. And they got it home. And it just fell apart. And they looked at the logo. And it was slightly off. It wasn't the real deal. That's called the counterfeit. That's what Satan does. He delivers counterfeits. False prophets, miracle workers. Tricking people into believing that they know the Lord. Take heed, you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. They'll confess Jesus as Lord, but there'll be no fruit on their tree. Go to Matthew 7, towards the end, when he says, Many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, heal in your name? And he's going to say, But I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice sin. And don't feel bad if you've been fooled. I've been fooled. Wish I could explain why. Maybe something they said appealed to me. Maybe they flattered me. I don't know, but I've been fooled. I'm talking to you from experience. This is experiential knowledge. This isn't an opinion. Plenty of people have an opinion. Not a whole lot of people have knowledge. Galatians 1.8 But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let them be accursed. The word is the word. It is self-evident. It proves itself, both the living and the written. You can distort it. You can deny it. But you cannot change it. It is the truth. That's why he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He's the gate. He's the narrow road. Another, they preach you another Jesus. We see that over the last couple of decades. Oh, Jesus didn't come to die. He didn't come to suffer like that. What? Yeah, he did. He was the Messiah. He was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. That's what he was meant to do. Save us from our sins. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says, starting with verse 2, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Messiah. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Messiah will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. There's some big denominations out there, huge. Two of the largest, who interestingly enough get along very well and seem to like to work together. You figure out who they are. Two of the biggest in the world. And they tell you about a different Jesus. They don't tell you about Yeshua. They don't tell you about what the Word says. They've twisted things. They've changed things. A little sleight of hand, a little add a word here, take something out there. 
another Jesus, one who's just a man. He's not God. He crucified him, but he didn't. He wasn't risen from the dead. That was all a scam the disciples pulled. Do not be deceived. And unfortunately, it's in our nature to be deceived. It's in man's nature to be deceived. The heart is deceitful above all things. And it is exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. Who can know it? Who can perceive, understand, or be acquainted with his whole own heart and mind? If you, if you ever looked back on your life and wondered, what was I thinking? How did I even think that was good? Or that person was good? Or that was God's best for me? I guess as you get older, you do that more. I've been doing that a lot lately, just shaking my head. I know he's forgiven me, but I also know that I opened a door to the enemy when I did those things. Let him try you. Let him search your mind. Say, Lord, search me. If there's any unclean thing in me, show it to me so that I can repent of it. And then cleanse me from it. Being righteous isn't easy, but if you're close to him, you stay near him, it will be. But you see, even after a thousand years, even a thousand years in the millennium of peace, no death, no sickness, God on earth, heaven on earth, Satan's going to get released from his prison. And the first thing he's going to do is what he does. He's going to go out and deceive the nations. He's going to go to the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and he's going to rise them back up, gather them to battle. And then they're going to try to attack Jerusalem. They're going to circle the city. And fire is going to come down from heaven and devour them. And then Satan's going to get thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20. After perfect harmony, perfect love, no lack, man still gets deceived. Remember what Yeshua said about Satan? He was a liar from the beginning and there is no truth in him. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beasts and the false prophets are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Deception has a price. I don't mean to scare you. But you got loved ones you need to pray for. Deception has a price, Matthew 25, 46. And these, those that get pointed to the left, those that don't accept him as Messiah, those that are not born again will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The lake of fire is real. Heaven's real. That's another deception that's been around here for about a decade now. Oh, there is no hell. A loving God wouldn't do that. No, a loving God wouldn't do that. And that's why he gave you a way out. And you make the choice and you don't have to deal with it. 
anyone who worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He, false prophet, the beast, shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of the torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night, day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Hell is eternal. By the way, hell doesn't exist right now. Lake of fire is already there. The outer darkness where people are awaiting judgment are there. But the actual hell isn't there. We talked about this a long time ago. The people who were writing the Bible took the concept of Sheol, where the righteous dead went, Hades, the underworld, and Gehenna, and put them into one word called hell. Anyone who thinks there's no hell has been deceived. Anyone who offers a false grace, well, you're always covered. Grace, grace, false grace, you're good. Oh, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you do right now. It's an interesting phenomenon in our society. There's a high interest of salvation in the church, but a low interest in living like a believer, living born again, living righteous. Many people want to get saved. More people want to get saved than they act saved. That's the difference between justification and sanctification. Justification is... Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're born again, you're justified, your sins are covered. Now you're in the process of sanctification through the Holy Spirit changing you, tweaking you, showing the things I'm talking about. Justification instantaneous. Sanctification is a process, a lifetime one. Grace was never meant to to cover presumptuous sins. Presumptuous sins are sins you know are sins and do them anyway. Grace, God's grace, his unmerited favor is the divine power to walk in his grace in a fallen world. It empowers us to do the impossible. See, the basis of the cross and the resurrection of the Lord gave us the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which what? Gave us the power to obey. Gave us the power to choose to do right and then do right. And let me tell you something. You can choose to do right. If you're saying, well, I can't, and there's something in me that keeps me from doing that, then you need deliverance. Because as a born-again believer, you are a new creation, and it's a lie that you can't change. It's a lie that you can't choose right or righteousness. You're not your past. You're not what was done to you. I'm a living example of that. Do I have moments where the enemy trips me up and gets me to act out? Yes, we all have our triggers. And I immediately repent. I immediately put it under the blood. And I take that power back. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. He's not going to allow himself to be ridiculed nor treated with contempt nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. But whatever a man sows, this and only this is what he will reap. 
for the one who sows to his flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we don't give in. The fallen angels are our example of error, being led astray, leading to corruption and destruction. Deception, feeling deceived and being deceived. It sucks the life out of you. It steals our hope. It steals from others. Because once you realize that you've been deceived, now the condemnation comes. Now the attack of the enemy comes. Immediately repent. Immediately bring it before the Lord. I have some more stuff here. I'm going to pick it up next week. I think this is too much to run through. We're almost out of time anyway. But I'm going to give you an assignment. And if you want to share it with me, send the email to the porch. At firefalltalkradio.com from at Brain Freeze. Uh, or just go there and use the contact button. After hearing all this, I'm sure thoughts are coming up. What's what's your deception? What's the one thing the enemy tries to get you to do? And once you do it, you're in bondage. And, and I'm not, if you don't have to share with me. I'm not looking for you to, to embarrass yourself. But I'm saying you need to figure out, make notes, keep a diary, keep a, um, um, and my brain is not working all of a sudden. Because all I want to do is praise the Lord. I wish we were all together. We could just stop and sing praise and worship music. Write things down. When Revelation comes, write it down. If you have a smartphone, you have a note, notes app. Plenty of them out there. Keep notes. Father, help us. Forgive us. For all the areas we've fallen short for all the areas we've believed the lie, we've allowed the enemy to distract us and deceive us. Forgive us for the words that come out of our mouth in frustration and anger and all the things the enemy does. We offer them up to you. We put them under the blood, let you throw them in the sea of forgetfulness. Set us free. Holy Spirit, search us right now like a supernatural x-ray, find those areas where things are hidden, things that we have forgotten about so that the enemy can't use them against us. Everything we've done before we got saved is no longer us. We're a new creation. Help us to retain your word. Help us to understand your word. Holy Spirit, you can do that to everyone who desires of it. For everyone who needs it, you said you would help them understand. And I pray right now that you would do that for each and every one that is hungry for it. Our Lord, we love you. We need you. We need all that you have for us. And I pray that you would bless us. 
heal us and deliver us. In Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Oops.